Welcome to the Noble Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, CK Lin, former tech executive turned entrepreneur. This podcast is about purpose and what other people have already figured out. My intention is that you use these lessons and insights to have more impact, more prosperity, and more joy in life and business. And maybe one day, you even join our tribe. My next guest is a co-founder of Avoke. Um, he is also a fearless leader of a Burning Man theme camp, I'm Okay, You're Okay, Corral, that's been around for the last 19 years. Please welcome Steve Hermel. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Steve. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. My pleasure. So 19 years, that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't really think about it in those terms, but then when people ask, I'm like, oh, yeah, but, um, our first camp was was oh one and uh, uh the first time i went to burning man was 2000 and uh it, it's amazing that we even came back because that year in particular um it rained for four days straight so the it uh, i know that you've been to the event uh, was this your first year this year no this is my third oh your third okay cool nice and um, when rain gets introduced out there, it, it completely shuts the entire city down. Yeah, so we were, the dust turns into mud, right? It turns into mud, and you can't roll a bicycle on it. You can't walk on it. You can't drive on it. It's just, you're just screwed. <laughs> and uh, so it shut, shut the whole city down for four days straight, and then it finally let up on the Saturday, the night of the burn. Wow. And that was, a, 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 you know, an eye-opening experience. And, uh, and then it inspired, inspired myself and a few others to um, want to bring something back. You know, my, my wife and I were in an RV pulling out in the year 2000, and we were looking out the back window, and I said to her, you know, I don't think I could ever come back here and not want to be a part of this community. You know, all we did, uh, all we did that year was take. We were takers. We were... Uh, you know, we were uh, not participants mm. and, you know, go, going into it, I, I didn't, I had no expectations. And so oftentimes when you have no expectations and then people are just gifting you things and showing you things and, and there's a different spirit that comes out in people out there. Um, it was very uh, inspiring. It changed like how I would want to interact with with humans. How, how would you articulate, uh, how would you articulate that different spirit that you just talked about? Yeah. You know, like I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> I had a, a weird experience. So, and, and it's experience that's repeated year, year after year is, uh, my very first year, you know, the greeters, they come in and they invade your space and, and they're, you know, the people, my first year were like clowns and they were all dressed up with makeup and they were like, welcome home. And they gave me this big hug. And I was like, okay. This, this is already challenging uh, my, uh, my personal space or, you know, just the way that they're communicating. I felt it was a little bit hippie-ish and like, you know, uh, that, you know, they're welcome home, brother. And, you know, I was like, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, sure. And they have you ring the bell and you do the dust bunnies and all that stuff. And, uh, and then it was, you know, we experienced the event, uh, you know, had, 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 had to help some people cause there, there was 80 mile an hour winds and their, their tent got blown away. And so we had to like take them into our, you know, rig and feed them and, 
and uh, uh, let them sleep in our RV. We already had five people in the RV, and now we had, I think, three more. So there was eight of us. Wow. And uh, and anyway, it was uh, it was an experience. But the next year that I came back, I was so looking forward to that welcome home. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome home. Yeah, right. And it just changed my perception of it and, and how you would uh, integrate into a community that is truly, uh, you know, money's forbidden and, and uh, you know, it's a gifting society and you got your 10 principles and all that stuff. And, you know, you really start to like, oh, wow, this is a different um, way of communicating. Mm. Yeah. So for someone who has never been, mm-hmm. I'll actually use the younger CK as an example. Okay. So I never been to Burning Man three years ago, or mm-hmm. actually 2017 was my first right. year. And then before 2017, I would think like, oh, okay, Burning Man is a massive party mm-hmm. in the desert. And that's it. That's the extent of it. That was yeah. my understanding of it because I never been and I don't understand. I didn't c- compute in my mind. Why would yeah. you want to do a massive party in the middle of a desert mm-hmm. in the heat with no shower, no power? Right. Right. And obviously I am now a convert. I'm mm-hmm. a, you know, mm-hmm. right now evangelizing for Burning Man. Sure. Sure. It's a, it's a yeah. different experience. So if you don't mind going into paint a picture for people who's never been, who just imagine it to be, a party, a festival, right? Yeah. A festival, uh, Coachella-esque, right? Sure. What would you say to them? Well, that's, that's not really it. How do you describe a a Burning Man? What's Burning Man to you? I think that um, it can be interpreted, interpreted in so many different ways. Um, So let's take this event that's in the middle of the desert. There's no resources. Uh, you're, you know, exposed to the elements. You've got severe cold, severe heat, wind, dust. Um, you know, the, the 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 best way I can put that is it's a giant asshole filter. And so think about that. <laughs> okay. So think about if the event were held in Golden Gate Park. Well, that would be a disaster because it would then the cities would be involved, and of course there's issues with BLM and police and all that stuff at Burning Man too. But, but you'd have this really reg, regulated event. Um, it would be very accessible. Um, you know, it, it, it uh, people would stay in hotels. So then there breaks the communal part of it. Um, it there's just so many barriers to entry of what, be, it, it, the further you bring it out, and push it into this remote area that is really not hospitable in any way, shape or form that sets up a platform for people that really wanna be there, that truly get it. And they wanna go out there and they wanna participate and they wanna see art and they wanna, you know, they wanna dance in a theme camp. They wanna go have a, a beer with, with in a camp like ours, or they wanna ride an art car, or they wanna go meditate um, a lot of our campmates are super into uh, yoga, so they hit the yoga camps in the mornings and, and do all that. You know, there's, there's something for everyone out there. And, you know, there's even a Kidsville where, you know, kids run around in this 
centralized section. I've only been there once because I had some friends that had kids out there. And that was strange to me. I, I don't like necessarily kids in the environment just because I, I think it challenges um, a young young mind. Although I've had good experiences with young minds out there too. So I, I don't know. I'm still divided on that. But um, getting back to your core question, you were asking me to describe it. I think that the event is, um, it will challenge, uh, if, if you're truly open to the experience, it will challenge um, how you interact. You know, one of the key components of a camp, our camp, is I always try to pack it with about 10% of people that have never been. And oh, you know, we have our yeah, version quota. Yeah, we have, I, I do keep an eye on that because mm. that perception heightens the perception of tried and true members. I've had, I have people mm. that have been in the camp from the very beginning, uh, people that have been with us for 15 years, 10 years, five years, but there's always that small contingency of, of folks. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily happen by design, but I do, I do have my radar up and I do mm. kind of shoulder tap some of my core members and go like, hey, you know, um, what about that person? Because I met that person at a barbecue six months ago. Those people would be fun out there. Any any uh, interest, you know, mm. it, you're, you learn to kind of spot key um, indicators about the way that people already talk or already think about things. And you're like, that, those people should be, should see this. Mm. And sometimes I go literally out of my way. You know, I'll, I'll have mm. a friend or an associate or something, and I'll literally go out of my way to be like, hey, man, I have this camp at Burning Man, and I think you'd be great there. And, mm. uh, you know, it's a, it's a curation over time. And, you know, I've had many of those same conversations with uh, some of my best friends and took them out there. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it does change their perception, and it does add to... Um, you know, already a deepened connection with that person. Some of them aren't as deep as others, but but you do get this sense of com community and that you're going out there um, to build something. That's another big topic that I'm sure we'll get to in this talk. But yeah, and actually, so before uh, we talk about sponsorship effectively. Hey everyone, just want to take a quick break to ask for your support. As you know, I don't run any ads or sell anything on this podcast. The only way I can continue to bring you inspiring stories and ideas is if you help me spread the word. By rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast, you can help even more entrepreneurs and leaders to discover, express, and amplify their purpose. You can help them have a better relationship with themselves, trust their intuition, and pursue things that bring them more aliveness in life and in business. It only takes you a few seconds to leave a review, and it means the world to me. But more importantly, it could change someone's life. So if you have a moment, please rate and review this podcast and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for your support. Now back to the episode. what you're talking about. How do you sponsor mm -hmm. new people? Mm -hmm. I want to double click on a, a theme that you had just talked about. You, you want to maintain 10% of people who see Burning Man for the first time. Yeah. And I'm recalling a conversation I had with a podcast guest, Jun Yoon, 
-hmm. he said to his people, um, show me the world through your eyes. Mm. So for someone who's been in Burning Man for 19 years, it's a yeah. different experience when you can see uh, Burning Man through someone's fresh eyes for the first time, yeah. right? The, the, yeah, the awe totally. that they see, the blown, mm -hmm. how much they're moved and touched by, yeah. you know, what may be normal for a 19-year veteran. Right. And you get to experience that life or Burning Man yeah. newly through that person. Totally, totally. I had a, a wonderful experience. Um, this year with a young lady that um, uh, very corporate job and, and very successful and sought this out for herself. Um, she, she was a friend of one of my best friends and said, you know, I want to be, uh, I want to go out there and see this thing. And, and so I said, well, you know, we, we, she happens to live close to us, my, my wife and I, so my wife and I, and, and my bestie, Tiffany, we, uh, we said, let's go to breakfast. Let's meet this girl. So we went to breakfast and we broke bread and, and I loved her right away. I was like, oh, this girl's great. She's awesome. And, um, but, and then I, you know, explained, Hey, you do understand it's a working camp. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of upfront work and then there's work on the back end. Everything in between is, is just fun. Um, and she's like, oh no, I'm down. I got it. You know, I, I want to go out there. I, I don't want to just go out there to go out there. I want to be a part of something. I want to build something. I was like, wow, you, you got it. That's cool. So we go out there and, you know, we get out there uh, the day before the event opens and we set our camp. We had a record time set. We set the entire camp in one day, which has never happened. It's usually a two day ordeal, but we had a solid crew this year. And so she busted her ass and we're, we're, uh, you know, full steam ahead. And then our, we, we run a little saloon. The OK Corral has a saloon in it. And so we got the, the saloon set and, you know, the ice fender and just getting it all gussied up and decorated. And then we, we start running the event. Well, she's right there in tow the whole time. And, uh, and then now we're into Monday and she's like, man, I am having the best time. And I, you know, and, and I kind of casually mentioned like, have you, have you gone out to see the art? You know, have you, have you gone out to the play? And she's like, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and it just dawned on me. I'm like, no one has taken this girl out to see what's going on out there. And she had no idea that there was even an open playa with art on it. And, and I was, I was like, okay, get, get on your bike. Like we, we got to go out here and see this. And it was just fun to see it through her eyes that way, you know, it, it, it you know, she, she's like, I had no idea. I didn't know that this was going to be this vast or that it was going to be that prolific. And she truly had a transformational experience this year. It was, it was fun to see it. I get, I get a little emotional about it because you see it through their eyes and then, and then they come back and she's sending me messages. Like that was, that really changed me. It was, it was really profound. And I'm like, yeah, good for you. That's why. I like to have virgins in the camp because it, you, it renews even the reasons um, that you're there, you know, that you're like, yeah, this really is exceptional. This really is unusual. And, and I've said this to other people, name another moment in time. And it doesn't matter when, where the only purpose was to celebrate life and art and um, it, uh, commerce is forbidden aside from, you know, all, all the obvious expenses that it takes to get your ass out there. But name another moment in time 
where something like this has happened. I don't, I don't know what that is. It could have been, it could have been 5,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago. There was an event purely set up to just revel and, and people spend six, seven, eight months building things to go out there and wow others. Um, I don't know anything that's quite like it. It's, it's a very, you know, everybody wants to put that brushstroke that it's, it's so corporate and Burning Man's dead and all this other garbage. And it's like, I don't know what you're seeing, but I go out there and I see wonderful pieces um, that people really put their heart and soul into. And it's, it's, it's kind of rude to just put paint, paint this brushstroke when, you know, people truly are bringing, I mean, this year was just, you, you were out there. It was absolutely stunning. It was a, it was a stunning event. People really brought it. Obviously everybody had a three year break from the pandemic. So People, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen more installations out there. And so Burning Man is not dead. <laughs> it's very much alive. And it was just cool to see and, uh, and experience. I, I love the way you articulated <clears throat> what is it in very succinct words. It's a container, it's a place where uh, life and art are celebrated. And, yeah. and, and then it allowed people to transform themselves accordingly. It's a self-selective process to get people out there. Um, the time, the, the, the gear, the preparation, the art, card, whatever the thing, and oh, the build the thing, itself, yeah. right? Yeah. All that. Yeah. So, so describe to me the transformation that you have witnessed in probably hundreds of people by now, right? 19 mm -hmm. years running yeah. camp. What have yeah. you witnessed that really still you remember still today? Some of the transformation that you saw the before and also the after. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the, the first event I went to, I, I believe the population was 9,000. Um, and then it was 11 and then it was 14. And, it, it, you know, clearly it's much larger now. I think it's approaching right around... Um, 80,000. And so that's one major transformation is I've seen them, uh, you know, Burning Man is an experiment. Um, and every year they, uh, they take what they've learned from years past and they try to improve. And I've seen them kind of miss the mark uh, and sim in, in simple ways. One, one, one of the ways that they did was um, that I thought they missed the mark is the event was scaling up. They were going from something like 12,000 people to like 18,000 people, which was a significant jump. And so they took the city, the same format, but they, they stretched it out and it was too big for the, for the amount of people that were there. So like just getting from two o'clock to 10 o'clock across the playa was, uh, it was like, okay, this is going to be a two mile bike ride. Right. And, and so, um, so that, I think they learned from that because it was, it was just too, too spread out. And the following year they tightened it up and the bicycle accidents went through the roof because it was too tight. <laughs> so there's some sort of weird algorithm that they've figured out where they're like, okay, X amount of people. And, and this is our, you know, this is our footprint and this is what works. Like this year I thought was a, perfect balance and perfect balance of art and, you know, people getting around on their bicycles and, and art cars and all of that stuff. I thought it was a perfect balance. I've been there uh, where, where it's not. 
Um, another big thing that I've seen is just on a more um, emotional level is like Burning Man is uh, has this non you know it's an effigy so it has this nondescript um, meaning so it's it can mean everything and it can mean nothing. Um, you mean the man the, itself? Is that what you mean? The man itself, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, well, the, uh, you know, I had a year uh, years ago. My my mom passed in 2011. That was a very emotional year for me. And so I went out there and had a very um, different experience. It was very spiritual, and I was missing her and all those things that go along with it. Put a nice shrine to her. And that was my year. And um, it was it was cool to experience, but at the same time, um, that was the reality of it, you know? And then I've had years where everything is gelling and my relationships are great and my kids are doing wonderful. And you go out there and just, you know, revel in it and truly like push into it and, and experience it. But that's what I mean is like, it, it has this um, meaning that changes year by year and you never know what <laughs> what you're going to get until the months leading up to that event and and you know you you have to make space for people that are you know you go out to the temple and you've been out to the temple and uh, a lot i'm of actually people... interviewing the architect of the temple oh, this year. wonderful it was yeah. such a beautiful effort yeah. this year. he yeah. knocked it out of the park mm -hmm. and uh you know uh you go out there and obviously it's a very somber experience and and, uh, you know, sometimes I go out there and I'm just like, just observing and other people in their pain because I, but I know what it's like to be there. So I have to be there to empathize, but I'm not necessarily in tears. Um, yeah. whereas, um, other times, and clearly I'm a crybaby. So other times I'm so exposed and I get out there and you're just, I just get pulled into it. And, uh, and it might just be from something that I'm personally going through or a loss or something like that. And it, it just has a completely different meaning. And uh, yeah, yeah it, it can be very uh, heavy, but also um, cathartic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you are at a unique position where you're not only a participant, but you're also a curator organizer of a camp, you know, sure. that, that designed a container for 80 plus people for the last 19 years. So I'm curious to know what is Burning Man for you? Ooh, man, I, I would look at it as our experience as the same as how Burning Man looks at it mm. on a much <laughs> smaller scale. You know, we're, we're 60 people trying to put on a theme camp mm -hmm. um, and, and that that has um, evolved over time. So we've we've always had a home base um, for years, probably 10 years. Um, the camp evolved, revolved around uh, a, uh, an art car various art cars and um that was our our um donation to the community was we we you know we came up with one art car that we could pull we could i think we could put about 30 40 people on it as big as um, we had one art car that we could put about 100 people on and um you know it was set up like an old uh uh choo-choo train, vintage choo-choo train, and it, it spit fire out of the, the, the plumes and and uh, had a full DJ system and fold out, you know, uh, dance platforms and all that. Lots of fun, lots of responsibility. Um, 
and you know you're dealing with uh, uh, there's just a lot of systems that are going on around it, and you have to choose your crew, and everybody has to be sober and on their game and walkie talkies and the whole bit. So you know it's it's kind of a, a stressful um, experience, but that was that was what we wanted to do at that time. And then it, I just kind of flipped on a dime and I just didn't want to do the art car thing anymore. And uh, myself and a couple of other camp meets um, decided we were going to do a saloon. We said, my buddy Dutch drew up some plans and we kind of ebbed and flowed and changed some things. And then we, we pushed into that space and I wasn't sure how that was going to feel. I was like, yeah, this could be fun. And then we took it out there and man, it was a blast. It was really fun. And, and what was even funner was to see our camp rally behind that effort and truly like, you know, they, the girls dressed like can-can girls and the guys put on their old-timey bartender outfits and it looked very saloony. And uh, yeah, it was really cool to be in the middle of that and seeing all this creativity swirl around it. And we're like, all of this emanated from just a conversation of us just kicking this ball around and we wanted to do something that complemented the the name of the of the group already which was i'm okay you're okay corral mm. and um so it's just a natural segue into a saloon and uh you know you you that's what i get a kick out of these days is we put things in motion we curate we pull we pull all this effort together and you point and then people go what if we did it like this yeah do that that's awesome and what if we change this and we went left instead of right I love it. Go. And people start to make it their own. And all I'm doing is just pointing this and kind of pushing it towards an end goal. But then I love it when people want to take it and make it their own and, and make it better. Mm. And I, I, that, that is for me, um, being at the middle of that and seeing all that creativity swirl around you uh, is, is fantastic. That's, that's one of the key reasons why I go back every year. Is, is just to experience that. And, and so if I'm it. hearing you right, it's a playground to co-create with your campmates. Yes. What new right. ideas, experiments that you may want to do. Yeah. So, so let's actually me. talk about that for, for a bit mm -hmm. because uh, <clears throat> the operations of Burning Man or running camps, uh, in my mind, is, let's see, the opportunity, but also the challenge mm -hmm. because it's voluntary base, right? There's no... Yeah you know, no compensation, sort of yeah. compensation <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. Like you don't pay for things. It's uh -huh. all voluntary basis. Yeah. So, so how do you run that operation, you know, for 19 years? I mean, that in itself, again, and an accomplishment for 19 years, right? Yeah. So, so mm -hmm. for years, yeah, for, for probably the first 10 years, um, I, I arranged everything myself and, and uh, that was, you know, it, it's it's something that I did out of joy. And so, you know, you 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 put as much as you can into it. That makes sense. And, uh, you know, some years the efforts are greater than others. Um, but the end goal is that, you know, you're trying to, to create something that wows people when you take it out. there. And it's all for those people who is people, by the way, um, for uh, people that are at Burning you know, you're, you're, you know, it's, it's a, it's an experiment in art. It's an experiment in an experience. Um, and also for the camp, you know, I, I do it really for the camp as well. I, I love the, the co-creativity and all the things that I described earlier, but about 10 years into it, I met, um, 
this woman named Deb. And Deb was highly organized. And I, I just saw that about her. And I, and I said, hey, I, you know, I shoulder tapped her, said, hey, I want to, I want you to come with me out to this event. My, my wife and I were dear friends with her. And we said, hey, we want you, we want to show you this. And so we, she came out and she was brave enough to get her butt out there. And she had a blast. She loved it. And I'm like, great, you're the mayor. <laughs> so I created my, my counterpart. Mm. And, um, and so um, I am a, a little bit more emotionally driven at times. And so if there's an obstacle in my way, um, I will tend to meet it head on and be very um, assertive. And sometimes the perception is I'm a little curt and rude and to the point. She is the polar opposite. So she is a Southern girl. She kind of has a Southern draw and she just has this sweet way about her. And, and that's the way she comes across. And, uh, and I thought, man, you would be the perfect counterbalance to me and my asshole persona that you would help to kind of smooth out any uh, obstacles that were in our way. Man, did that work. Um, she really brought a great um, uh, arm to the effort. And she started immediately budding up to um, some of the vendors that we rely on, like the water vendors or the fuel vendors or, um, uh, you know, even Burning Man itself and, and just getting us great um, real estate. She just personalized all of those relationships and, and not only just uh, reached out to them and, and developed a relationship with them, but then was like became their friends year round. And they would like send, you know, here's a picture of my dog in Christmas or, you know, things like that. You're like, wow, you actually created a community out of this, which is which is something that I probably would not have done. Mm. Um, it's because I'm busy running, you know, companies with my partners. And uh, but she just had the patience and the time for that. And it it uh, it's helped immensely um, on our standing within the community because, uh, you know, they I, I believe were viewed as a really solid camp. Um, Because we keep getting invited back every year, and we keep getting great real estate placement. So, we. By the uh, way, speaking of speaking of, Mm -hmm. what's great real estate placement? I because people mention it, and then I don't really understand. Yeah, are the sort of the priorities or the hierarchy? Yeah, well, it all depends on um, what you're doing. So, like, if you're a sound camp, obviously, the corner of two o'clock or the corner of ten o'clock are pretty damn good. Right. I mean, that's those are the pinnacle spots. Those are the hot zones. And then everything down, you know, that graduates back down A, B, C. Those are all that's considered great placement if you're a sound camp. Mm. Um, If you're an interactive camp and you truly want, you know, just a a collection of people just stopping in constantly, um, then you want to be on the esplanade. Right. Mm. So you might. You know, uh, you, you that would be considered a ama- you know that's prime time real estate, right? Mm. What I've learned is I like to be slightly removed from the esplanade. Um, so uh, we got shoulder tapped about five years ago, six years ago, to be a part of this experiment that they were doing in the portals. So they call them the the three o'clock and the nine o'clock portals. Mm-hmm. And as you go down three or nine. You have these stopping points. They're 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 turn, turnabouts, mm-hmm. and they usually put a piece of art in the middle, and uh, and then they 
they place these camps all around the portal. So mm. there's, there's really four, about four, four to six camps that get placed around the, the portal. And then there's another portal up the way. And I believe there's a third, I think. Um, we like being in that first or second portal. And uh, like I said, we were a part of their experiment that they were doing. And then the portals just took off. They actually have their own little community. I belong to a Facebook group that's just focused on our portal. And, mm. um, and uh, it's run by, you know, one of the placers and, and he goes out of his way to, to make sure that the, the camps are talking to one another on social and, you know, uh, is any, is anybody bringing a, uh, you know, um, does anybody have an extra cooler or does, you know, people start making requests, uh, you know, tools, tools are a big thing, right? Does anybody have mm. a, a rotary hammer or a sawzall that they can bring? We'd love to borrow it from you. Where are you guys at? So people start to, you know, interconnect that way. Um, like a neighborhood. Share, type of yeah, your neighborhood thing. and you're sharing resources or, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, mm -hmm. this year we were next to the post office. We were right next door to them and we were sharing a, a fire lane and they were just really nice people. So we were going over there and say, hey, come join us for dinner. Dinner is a big part of our um, uh, group every, uh, every night. And so... Um, especially when you look at the, the dinner crews and you can see they've got more food than we can consume. We start going and shoulder tapping the, the neighborhood. Like, hey, come, come over. We're doing, you know, couscous and kebabs or we're doing it's hamburger and hot dog night or it's Italian night, whatever it is. Um, they, uh, we start to, you know, integrate with our neighbor, uh, neighbors and bring them in to, um, you know, break some bread with us. Mm, I love it. Like a uh, community within a community. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. How how important is that cultivating relationship with your neighbors and? Yeah, I think what the, that's that's one of the key components to to the event. You know, it's it's it comes in a variety of forms. It might just be that you're just want to you know meet your neighbors and break bread with them, and and um, it also might be like a, a this year we were having major problems with our generator. Mm -hmm. And um, we didn't realize that the generator required uh, DEF fuel. It's a DEF fuel additive. Mm. And um, so I, I started looking around for large generators in our community. And right across the street was a generator that was almost the same make model as ours. So I went over there and just had a casual conversation just saying, hey, we didn't realize this required this. Um, mainly because the generator that we rented for the last 10 years didn't have it. So this was obviously a, a huge upgrade. And um, sure enough, they had a box of, of the fluid that we needed and it kept us going for three days. We ran out again and shoulder tapped somebody else and kept us going for another couple of days. So, um, you know, it goes both ways. You know, it, of course. It, we like to reach out to our neighbors and say, hey, come over, come have a drink with us, you know, be very neighborly. But then on the other hand, <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm, I need something here. <laughs> I, we screwed up. And so, you know, it goes, it, it's, uh, I think it's very uh, important mm. to have a community within your community. Yeah, for sure. I love that. In years, you've been curating people that mm -hmm. come through your camp. Yeah. And I know a couple of people, actually, mm -hmm. Isaac, Michelle. Oh, and... Isaac's. Yeah, favorites. Isaac is amazing. And uh, yeah. the founder of Second Life, I forgot his name. Uh, that would be Philip. Rosedale. That's right. Philip. Great yeah. guys, right? So oh, wonderful. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so what, when you make your selection, because these are first class citizens, my experience of your camp made so far and how, what sort of, uh, mental models do you think about when you think, Oh, okay. This person would be great for this camp because yeah, you know, we're all about, a... you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. That's a really tough question to answer. I'll, I'll give you, you know, I think one, we've just been very fortunate um, to curate people like we have. Uh, it, it's it, like I, you know, it's happened over a 20 year span. Um, the, you know, it, 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 the thing I get a kick out of is that Burning Man is not a vacation. For some people it is. Um, but my, the way that I position the camp is like, hey, this is a working camp. This is a giant pain in the ass. And, you know, it, 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 actually, why don't you say more about that? Because there are different kinds of camps. Yes. Right. The, yeah. the kinds where you just show up, do very minimum and, you know, and yeah. you have staff taking care of things for you, plug and plays and then versus the working camp. Yeah, we, don't, describe. we don't participate that way. Um, so for to educate people who aren't yeah. familiar, can you talk a little bit more about the spectrum? A of absolutely. Camps? Yeah. So the, the camp, um, everyone in camp has uh, a job. And so, um, you know, there, it comes in a variety of ways. Um, so we can only take X amount of people um, with us for set. So this year we had, I believe, uh, 26 people. And Wait, so what? We, set? What is that? For, for camp set. So you're setting the camp. So oh, um, oh, Bill. You, know, you come in a day or two early. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Burning Man wants you to have the camp operational by Sunday, which is opening day. And um, so we typically will show up either on a Friday or a Saturday. Um, logistically, I couldn't get there until Saturday morning. So um, that was, you know, that was it. It was what it was. And um, but you I had, you know, multiple rigs all converge in one spot. And then we went to our we have storage um, in Gerlach. So we went to our storage and put it in a 24 foot trailer. And then uh, we took that caravan and, and went into the event. And so we, um, that's, you know, we have about a 26 person set crew. We get there and immediately just the doors come down and you start pulling everything out. You start mapping. We have, uh, you know, rulers and guides and, and uh, we divide into teams. So we had this year, we had a, an electrical team that was setting our electrical grid so that we, we want to run, we want to run just one generator that powers I think we had 15 rigs so it's just so much more cost effective it's so much uh cuts down the noise significantly we run this really quiet diesel generator it powers the whole camp powers the kitchen it powers the the uh the saloon and the sound system and lighting and all that stuff and then um we uh we had a crew that was set setting the 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 saloon um, there's a facade that looks like a movie set. And so that was a separate crew that was setting that. And then we had a, another crew that was setting, um, the kitchen. And so we have like a common space and kitchen that we, we set, it's kind of like, uh, backstage and we set it up and we light it, we decorate it. And, uh, and then, um, so we had all these crews running simultaneously and myself and another guy, Joe, 
Um, we were just walking around between each crew and lending a hand where we could. And we were blown away by how fast the camp, camp set this year. Um, never set camp in one day. It's fantastic. Very cohesive group this year. What would you um, What would you attribute to that expediency to? Is it the know. capabilities of the people? Is it the chemistry? Is it just the planning? No idea. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How, I, I think also one of the biggest factors was we. Um, I had set a call time that morning, Saturday morning, um, to that everybody meet at six six a.m. And you, you know, usually you have you know, people that are still in the shower or whatever, man, 6am rolled around and we had, we had, we had our group. I was blown away. People were prepared and ready. They had their gloves up. Let's go. And so we all caravaned out to the to storage. Everybody was there on the same time. We got everything into the out of storage and into our transport trailers, got on playa that, you know, getting through the greeters is about two, three hour experience. And, and then we get to camp and, Everybody's showing up at the same time and boom, we're off and running. I think just getting up early, that early, and just getting out there, I think that was, it was typically, we probably roll in to, to camp around four or five. And, you know, it, it, you get about a half day in and then it spills over to the next day, pretty much take that whole day. Um, the one thing we did differently this year uh, than most is we did have crews that were running independently. And uh, usually we kind of do it all in this kind of, um, we just kind of do it all at once, but no one's really leading. And so this year we kind of went, okay, you're leading this. And we had some conversations beforehand. You're gonna lead this, you're gonna lead this. And so I think that was a, a, a big differentiator is that the, the people kind of knew where they were gonna land. Um, and mm. then as people trickle in that, you know, cause we have about a 60 person camp, so half the camp shows up after set and uh, they trickle in on Sunday and Monday. And, uh, but then we put them to work immediately. So it's either, you know, um, well, the dinner crews are, are, so we run dinners. Um, uh, I've never seen a camp do it like we do, but this is how we do it. Um, so, uh, dinners start on Sunday and they serve Sunday through Saturday. And, um, we're, we divide into teams of about eight. And so we assign them a theme and, and they can take over the theme. They, they can, can control it. So we, we had an assignment on one group and they were like, yeah, we don't want to do that. We want to do a tiki night. And I was like, tiki night. Yeah, do the tiki night. So, so they took over their theme and um, they go out and they buy decorations. They, they, um, they prepare everything with top shelf ingredients. So we, we, that's our one criteria is you, you only have to prepare a dinner one time. So make it count. So the teams go way out. They get a playlist together that we play over our sound system. They get decorations. Um, they prepare special drinks. Uh, the food is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And that's one part of curating the, the meal teams is you have to make sure that the meal leads can cook so, so that they get everybody in line, right? And, uh, and you know, you end up having uh, the, the, while you end up eating great out there, that's one part of it. But the reason that we do it is it, it forces the entire camp to reconnect. Mm. The entire camp comes back in the evening. You know, this person got up early and went to the temple and this person went and saw art. And, 
these guys went and danced at some day club and on and on there. Everyone's having these experiences. There's no way for 60 people to just have the same experience altogether, but they do have the same experience in the evenings. And we typically serve around seven, seven to eight. And um, it's just a way for everybody to just kind of reconnect, have a, have a nice meal. What did you guys do today? That team gets praised because they always bring it. So they, mm. they, um, we usually have a, a little clapping ceremony for them and everybody greatly appreciates it, but they, they plan, they cook, they prepare, uh, they serve and then they clean up. So it's, it's a six hour ordeal. Mm. And you know, that's a, it's kind of a pain in the ass and some people don't get it. Like, a, this year we had a couple of versions that just absolutely did not get it. And then they had the experience and they went, I got it now. Like that was awesome. I'm so glad that you forced me into that. I'm like, cool. Then you got it. Cool. But, um, and then, the, and then the next day, the, ne the next team comes in and they take all, you know, they, it, it's a clean slate. So then they put up all their decorations and they get their playlist cured up and they're, you know, there's true excitement. They want to, they want to, it, it, it becomes a bit of a competition where people are like, oh yeah, well check this out. And so they, you know, they go all out. It's fun. It's really, I cool. like it. I yeah, like it's it. really cool. There's something about shared hardship that really deepens bonds. Uh, explain. Yeah. So, so one of the things that I've experienced is, you know, I hear people, especially virgins who come and say, oh, I don't want to do, you know, menial stuff, tasks. Yeah. Yes. I want to be put to yes. shifts. You know, I want to enjoy my burn. I, I understand where they're coming from. At the yeah. same time, part of the Burning Man ethos is you do the work, share the workload together. Yeah. And, and, and in the share hardship, the adversity, the yeah. shift, the time invested, the heat, then those yeah. that you work with, you get to deepen the bonds together even more. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's a great perception. Um, and one that probably people don't necessarily walk away with if they're not in a theme camp because this year was ex extremely harsh. You know, we had mm -hmm. we're battling heat. I got heat stroke mm -hmm. um, one of the, one of the days cause we were, we had music uh, live instruments going. So I was playing with the sun beating down on me and I did an hour set and then, and then took a break and went and cooled down and did another hour set, took a break, cooled down and did another hour set. Now I'm like really starting to feel it and then started cooking. And I was on the, on the meal team that night and mm. uh, I got halfway through it. I was like, uh, I'm either going to have to go to the med tent or I'm going to have to sit under an air conditioner mm. because uh, I, my body was shutting down. But mm. um, getting back to your shared, uh, I could not agree more. Um, there is, we had this happen this year where there were, uh, several people that didn't understand the whole working camp uh, thing. One thing that I do is we start talking about Burning Man. I don't, so the, the event's over and I don't talk about, I will not talk about it until February. So mm. people, you know, uh, start, you know, sending messages in November, October, uh, December, January. I'm like, I'm not responding to this. Because, it, it, you know, you, you do need to do things that are not burning. <laughs> so, but we do start talking about it in February. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, our first calm is like, hey, 
are we even going to do the camp this year? I always kind of put it to, to our people, you know, it's like, I can't just, it can't just be me, you know, uh, I, I can't do all that. So, um, this year we put it out that, Hey, you know, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, are we doing Burning Man this year? You know, it's, we've had a three-year hiatus. And so I put the message out and within six hours, we had almost 50 people that were 100% in. I was like, whoa, we're going to Burning Man. So that was cool. But then the messages start. And so um, I deliver about one a month and I just start painting a picture. And I start saying, okay, well, the, it, you know, I don't have to paint this picture for people that have been in the camp. That really the messages are for new people or it could be for existing people if we're changing some things up. Um, and, and also you learn every year. So things get added to your, to your roster of things that you want to communicate. But the bottom line is you start setting the, the standard, you start setting that we're going to hit here and you start setting that goal. And then you just keep re-emphasizing every message is, Hey, this is, this is where we're headed. This is what we're doing. These are the expectations. It's a working camp. And, and then the next message comes and you you know, you say some goofy things. And then here's the expectations. And, it, and, and sometimes I even differ the expectations. I won't hit them with 20. I'll hit them with my top three. And then I'll hit them with another three. And then I'll hit them with another three. And ultimately culminating to a, a message that we call the state of our union. And I send that out. Oh, you Here's have a thing called state of our union. Yeah. And so we, like we do. Um, like it. It's about three weeks out. And it's the final message. And I'll just say, okay, so... Here's this team is showing up. This, this is our early set crew. Um, we also encourage everybody to show up by Sunday. Um, well, that used to not be a rule, um, but about five years ago, we changed it as an experiment because what was happening was, is you have the early set crew come in and they take ownership, mm -hmm. right? They take ownership of, hey, we did this, you know? And then you got people coming, showing up on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or even Thursday, and they just kind of plop in the middle of it. And people are, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a rude thing, but you could just smell it. It's, it's this thing that's in the air that who, who are these people? What, what they're camping with us because mm -hmm. we just busted our ass and built this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of see, I've seen it for years uh, where people start to, I love that they take ownership of it. And then, so then we just kind of drew a line in the sand and said, well, here's our early set crew. And these are, these are the guys that, or the guys and girls that are going to help us set. But it's imperative that the people at least be there on opening day so that they can, they can help us take it into the end zone. So that there's, you know, uh, we got to put up lights or we got to light the facade or we got to decorate the saloon or we've got to take all of our kitchen stuff and actually make it a functioning kitchen. That's where that secondary crew comes in and they take ownership. I decorated this. I set up the kitchen. I put up the lighting so that everybody has a buy-in. That's why, you know, we, we kind of switched it up about five years ago and we were like patting ourselves on the back going, that was the most cohesive thing that we've ever done for the camp was to make sure that everybody had a hand in it. And uh, uh, it's, it's a very effective tool. And, and, oh. Go ahead. So I have a question there. <clears throat> because it's a volunteering organizational, mm -hmm. you know, effort. Yeah. Um, 
what I've seen, especially in any kind of volunteering organizations, is typically the weight of infrastructure and operation lies a few people, a small percentage. Mm -hmm. You're heavy on them, the organizers and so forth. And then few people get to basically walk away with very little uh, responsibilities because it's an organizational thing. Yeah. So um, how do you manage that, you know, it's equitable, that is mm-hmm. fair. So that way it's not all on you or a handful of people that you don't get to enjoy <clears throat> Burning Man and what it has to offer. Yeah. And then it's, you know, there are consequences or accountability for people to, you know, show yeah. up versus just, you know, leaving scot-free, like show up on Thursday and then leave on Saturday and say, all right, see you guys later. Right. It was great. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a scenario that I avoid <clears throat> with everything I got. Uh, um, our, our hard rule is you have to be there for set or strike. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we had, uh, I'll, I'll explain where there's exceptions. Um, we had a, a couple that just had twins and the, the babies are now about nine months old and they just happen to have parents that live in Lake Tahoe. So they've been huge contributors and help to, to, you know, build our saloon and li- literally help build the saloon. And, um, uh, you know, this year they weren't going to come. And I had caught wind of it that they weren't coming because they couldn't be there for set or strike. They could only come in the middle and, and just do three or four days. And then they got to go back to get the babies. And, you know, it's a critical time. And, and I caught wind of it. I was like, no, 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 no. You, if you really want to come to this event, you have carte blanche because you've earned it. Whereas, um, you know, we so have- So that's an exception? There are exceptions what, to that. What, what are the, the norm? How do you manage uh, The norm is, is that you gotta be there for set or strike. Okay. So um, the, uh, you know, it, it, I don't like when people come in post and I don't like when they leave before. And, but, you know, sometimes you have life stuff going on. Like we had one campmate, also a huge contributor, but he and his girlfriend had to break out early. They came in for set, so they were there, but they had to break out early um, for a wedding. So, you know, it's like, hey, that's life. That's, you know, it's, it's the girl, I think it was her sister's wedding. So she's like, I got to run. So of course that was all prearranged and, and all good. And, um, but, you know, I think that um, people naturally filter themselves out. Um, I have had experiences where you go out there and um, people uh, just kind of blow it off. And so then you just kind of move on the next year. You just, and they they don't get invited back. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it is by invitation and we do kind Mm -hmm. of draw a line of like, Hey, this is our crew and this is what we're going in with. Um, one of the, the hard lines that I have is I'm not, I'm not big on um, rangers being in the camp. And I appreciate the rangers. So I really do. I think they do. Oh, a interesting. Oh, okay. So that's, I think they do a wonderful service. Yeah. Say more about that. Why? why? Yeah. So I, I think they do a wonderful service to the community. I know a lot of rangers. It is a, it's a big ask. Um, they are the world's worst campmates. Just the worst. Why is that? Why is that? Because they're rangering. 
So it's like, um, okay, well, Tuesday is your your meal night, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I can't. I can't do that. I, I'm out rangering. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, well, we're all going to go and do this thing. I can't. I'm rangering. We're going to be there for set. Yeah, but I got to go for my pre, uh, you know, thing. And we walk the playa and we do all this stuff. And I'm just like, so you're not in camp? And, you know, mm-hmm. if it was a one-time experience, fine. But when you have years of that, you just kind of go, okay, you should go camp with the rangers mm-hmm. because nobody knows who the fuck you are. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're a part of this camp, but you're gone. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's, it's not, it's just not a good relationship to the camp, especially if you're trying to build something and be cohesive and, and mm-hmm. bring an offering to, to the community. And then you've got, and I've, I've had uh, uh, instances where we had three rangers in camp and they were ghosts. Mm-hmm. And all, gotcha. all was the carcass of their of their um, motorhome, you know, is, is in camp. And then they they do these wacky shifts and then they come home and they sleep. And then, boom, they're out again on another shift. And she's like, who are these people? And they're, they're dear friends of mine. I love them. Yeah. But it's like, OK, so we just kind of drew a line in the sand. And we just went, no more rangers. I got it just, you. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So how did you end up with saloons, drinks, music, and the size of 60? Because that's, mm. you know, an evolution, I'm sure. And you yeah. will continue to evolve, I'm sure. But how did you yeah. arrive here? So um, at one point, we grew the camp out. Um, we had, I think one year, we had about 110 people. Uh-huh. Man, that was just a job. That was not enjoyable. And um, too many people, too many needs, very uh-huh. hard to focus um, uh-huh. that group. Uh, we did it and we had a, a successful experience, but it wasn't enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so then the following year, we capped it at 60. And um, it was man, some was just... arbitrary number that you just pull out of the sky. Well, you know, we, we've, we've had the, I mean, obviously I've been out there and had the camp at like 25, mm-hmm. um, especially in the early years. Um, that makes for a very fun experience because it's just some, it, it, it it's a tighter group. Mm-hmm. Um, 60 is a great number for a variety of reasons. So 60 allows you to split good, uh, dinner teams out. So it's enough people to hit those dinner teams, uh, you know, getting a, a, a group of about 25 to 26 people to co- go in for early set and then have the other half of the camp show up the next day really works. It just, there's something about it that works. Um, it's, it's the right amount of people where people are friendly and want to interact. And, oh, there's somebody new. I, I want to go meet this person. At, at 100 people, people are like, okay, I give up. There's too many people. It's just too much. Right? So Dunbar's no. number 150 didn't quite even get there. Just 100 no. people is way too many. It was too, way too many. Yeah. And, and so, you, you know, you see it, you try to see it through the experience of your campmates as well, because, you know, uh, we've, we've had groups of about 50, and that's a great number as well. Um, I've always said that our magic number is 55. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if, it, if it's 50, that's fine. You could still get by with that. If it's 60, it just creates a little bit of a buffer um, mm. where, it, you know, uh, 
we were having problems with fuel this year, getting fuel delivered. So we had a team going out there to interface with the fuel company. We had problems with water because it was so dusty and they shut the water delivery trucks down. So um, we had a team going out and, and, and you know, uh, picking up that. Uh, we had a new mayor this year. So my, my, my girl, Deb, um, wanted to take it off. And so we, uh, I shoulder tapped my friend, Angela, who's got a very, very eerily similar temperament to Deb. And so she became our mayor and that was a learning experience for her to be out there and just kind of, I'm sitting on the side, just seeing it from her eyes and, and seeing how she's handling all the adversity. And she did amazing. She was great. And, uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's, a. Uh, I think she put it the best. She's like, you know, I agreed to do this, but I had no idea of all the things that all the working parts of this. And it wasn't until we were about a month out where she was, she was asking questions. Well, what about this? Okay. I did this. And what about this? And this is handled. And what about this? And, and then she started putting it all together. She's like, I need to know more about all of this. If I'm going to do this again. And I said, well, I didn't want to scare you. <laughs> so I assigned you these three things. I want you to handle these things. And, uh, and I'll pick up the rest. And then she's like, okay, next year we're going to divide and conquer. Like I, I need, I need more buy-in. Absolutely. Next year you have, you have it. So, so, so putting in company terms, uh, you are effectively the, the founder, right? With the yeah. tacit knowledge mm -hmm. and you have a, a GM, right? General, you know, as a, yeah, as a mayor. A mayor. Yeah. Right, sure. who runs the things, but you you are the buffer, right? You have the tacit knowledge and you can show up and and, and yeah. boost um operations if need be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you had said something earlier that I, I keep, uh, keyed in on uh you were talking about the balance of it all and, and you know um this year we did spread out a little bit more like I had a, a, a dear friend of mine, uh, Joe, he and I were working on electrical, but some of it was a little bit uh, challenging because we were trying to get the machine to work. And so we shoulder tapped another good friend of mine, Chris, that came over and really helped fill in some some blanks. Um, you know, you, you, you have to get just really good at knowing people's core competencies mm -hmm. and then playing into that. Like, hey, you're getting mm -hmm. this is yours own that um so quick question there yeah because not everyone is a professional electrician or whatever totally. builder things like that i mean i'm assuming most people are sort of hobbyists right they they have some knowledge but they're not professional at it yeah and so you also want to give them an opportunity to try out some of these new responsibilities how do you strike that balance between you know, knowing that they could do the job versus uh -huh. giving them an opportunity to possibly fail, but possibly succeed. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's hard to answer. Um, I think it just comes through experience and, you know, if you like, I, I'm a creative director by trade and I, I know mm -hmm. how to create something. And so you can sit and have a conversation with somebody about creation and like process and, and, you know, job flow or whatever, whatever the topic is surrounding that, that subject. And you can sniff within 10 minutes, you know, whether this is real or not, right? Because you're just so used to talking about it. Well, mm -hmm. the same rules apply 
um, where you're, you know, you're hosting a camp and you start having conversations with people like, so I'll give you a perfect example. So my dear friend Rose, who's, who's, I think this was her fourth year in camp. Um, she wants to do more. And so I, you know, the more I learned about her, she's an events person. She hosts events for a living. And, uh, so this year she said, how can I help? And I said, well, we need help curating, um, talent. I want more talent in the camp, meaning, uh, musicians, um, DJs, we've got the sound system, we've got a control board, we've got microphones. Um, I, I, I wanted to do this in 19, but we didn't, we didn't quite pull it together, but I really wanted to do it this year. And, and she knocked it out of the park. She went and started hitting forums and, and, uh, you know, every day we had people showing up, showing up, Hey, I'm here to play for you guys. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. I love that. She, uh, she had a calendar and signed everybody, you know, people, either they're on time. A lot of people were strangely on time. Um, yeah. I, had, time. I, I get it. And I don't expect people to be there on time, but man, I, I got to tell you, like people were largely on time. It was unusual that I think they, I, I also, I think like people really like bringing their art, whether it's a bass player or a guitar player or, or uh, a, a, a DJ, they really want to come out and play for people. You know, they're there mm. to, to, to do that because that's their gift. So, mm. you know, we have this platform and they, they show up on time and they're ready to, to show people uh, a good time with, with whatever way that comes out. And uh, it, it's cool. We had a great um, people I'd never met before uh, just coming all just through reaching out and, and shoulder tapping people. And one would show up and they, they would... Uh, have a three hour set and then another person would come in and have a two hour set and another person would come in and have a one hour set. I was like, man, that is fantastic. It was really, really uh, inspiring to see that culminate just by her asking a question. Can I take this and run with it? Absolutely. I love it. So yeah, so she on, killed it. That's awesome. So on that, so it sounds like there's a culture of accountability and, and Michelle actually, yeah, Michelle actually yeah. made a point about the, okay, you know, his observation of being there the first year, mm -hmm. he said you had the perfect balance of accountability and openness. Yeah, that's, that's how, how, definitely like, happened over time. Yeah. yeah, if you could concretize, so again, make your response, you know, to someone who may be thinking about starting a camp or running their camp for yeah. the first year and yeah. it was a disaster because people weren't accountable to the thing. Mm -hmm. What would you say to these aspirational camp organizers so that they can hit that balance yeah. between accountability and at the same time, openness, democracy, right? Flow, all yeah. these beautiful yeah. qualities that the player provides. Yeah. Um, well, that's a tough one to explain, but let me give it a shot. So, uh, definitely there's been an evolution over time. I mean, I always take into consideration that Burning Man is comprised of volunteers and, you know, people are out there because they're pulled in for whatever reason. They want to go see the art or they want to go dance in the nightclub, whatever it is. Um, so I always take that into consideration that I, I, I want them to have their experience. I don't want it to be this, this job, but at the, the military same time, camp. Yeah, military camp. But at the same time, um, over the years, you have people that are truly, um, they, they understand what it is that we're building. So 
you know, if, if I was bringing out a group of virgins, uh, you know, if it was a 90 virgin camp uh, and, a, and a, which I've actually seen camps do this, um, where they bring out all these volunteers and um, man, it's just a clusterfuck, man. It's crazy because <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, there's no cohesiveness. They're all strangers. And, you know, you've got somebody leading the charge, but it's, it, you even see how they lead the charge. They're like, you know, it's like, it's like a job. And, you know, they're trying to do big things out there. I'm like, okay, all right, that's cool. Don't want to do that. Um, uh, so, you know, you mentioned uh, Philip Rosedale, right? So mm -hmm. Philip is a doer. And you know this just by a conversation, right? But then he comes out there and he starts, you know, all right, well, I don't really know, but I'm a logical person. I don't know how we're doing, but here, let me just, uh, you know, and he's just in. He's just a very visceral, hands-on kind of guy. And so Michelle, well, Philip introduced me to Michelle. And and Philip's like, don't worry about it. This this guy knows. He, he's got it. I'm like, cool. I, I say no more. I didn't I, I Usually I'll sit and like break bread or or just at least have like a video conference just so that I can get it like a feel. Nope, didn't need that. All I needed was Philip to say, no, dude, this is this guy's gold. Cool. So we we um you know that that's a no-brainer. The, the people that are um a little questionable, that's who I'll go after and and try to understand and and then work with them to set expectations. Um I even had dear friends out this this year, dear friends of mine. Like I love these guys. But they were like, you know, complaining. Okay, what are we doing? We're gonna we're gonna build something out there, and then, then you want me to be a part of a dinner thing? And ah, this is sounding like a lot of work. I'm like, trust me, just trust me. <laughs> and, and then I had other campmates working on them too. Just like, just just give it one shot. And we went out there, and we we all it took was for them to get sweaty and to see results, right? So we set camp. They were part of the, set. This, this is a virgin going out there and saying, I want the whole experience. So we set camp and that's all it took. Just uh, six hours of work. And he was like, I get it. Like there was just this excitement. You can see it in his eyes. Like, I totally understand now. I got this. And then they were, they did their dinner team and they were fired up and ready to go. And I was just like, I, this guy, this was the same person that was saying, I, you know, I, I don't really want to do all this. I just want to go out there and, but but then they, they get there's a pride about it right because that and that's what you're trying to do you're trying to go out there and build something and give them that experience of like hey we we actually came out here and did this through adversity through extreme heat through sandstorms all of it and then and then we take it all back down and we put it back in storage and we wait for the next year um, and that whole experience he was like I was not prepared for how transformative that would be. Like good, the mission accomplished. That's cool. Have you ever dealt with prima donnas, like yes. a celebrity or you know some famous founder? Or We've had celebrities in camp, but but um, not. Uh, it's been all great experiences. I'll, I'll tell you one experience I had that was it cracked me up. Very artistic. Well, the the woman was. It was a couple, and she was extremely artistic. You know, super into music and. Constantly, you know, she just had this really artsy feel about her. 
and her husband um, was kind of along for the ride, but they were, you know, just kind of, they really wanted to go to Burning Man. And so we, uh, you know, we, we fired it up. And at that time we weren't a saloon. We, we had this art car thing and, um, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of work. You know, you're setting camp, you're setting the art car, you're getting the kitchen set, all of these things that go into it. And I just thought this was a no brainer for these guys. They hated it. They hated the entire experience. They were, they, they just didn't get it. The, it was just wasn't their cup of tea. I was like, wow, that's amazing to me. But turn the corner two years later, and there they are. They're out there. And I ran into them. I'm like, okay. You know, it was almost like, what are you doing out here? And they said, you know, it, it took a couple of years for this to sink in for us. And we realized, wow, that was an amazing experience. It just, we're just needed to process it. And they, and then they came out and they were part of a big art, uh, uh, theme camp, huge theme camp, two, two, 300 person theme camp. Wow. And, uh, they, they wanted that experience. It was like, okay, I, I give up. I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't have a, a litmus test for how this is going to play out. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. And then I had, I had another experience, a dear friend of mine, urged, I think she was, I think she came out and was a part of the very first um, corral and uh, very prim and proper. She's that girl that you go uh, to a restaurant with and she, she says, well, I, I don't want the cream sauce and I want this thing and can, uh -huh. can you take the arugula out because I don't really like arugula. And she just has like uh -huh. a soliloquy with the, with the waiter. Soliloquy. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know, you're just like, I love her. She's so great. And she wanted to come to Burning Man. I was like, Think this is really gonna work i don't i don't see <laughs> her thriving out here right and, she, and we got out there and i you know i couldn't see her dirty i couldn't see her busting her ass and, and taking things you know trying to set things i just couldn't see it i couldn't visualize it i'm like okay whatever you want to go out there and see it fine let's go she's a dear friend of mine and we got out there and she busted her ass that dust didn't do anything to her she was looked like a beautiful angel and i was just like well I give up. I don't, I don't have an explanation for that. You know, I don't know truly who's going to work out there. It's an experiment. Mm. <laughs> so, so what I'm actually getting from this is whatever preconceived notions that, you know, we may have about this person like, Oh, this is going to be a great burner. May not be, this is yeah. not going to work. May totally work. Yeah. You just totally. don't know. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I've seen, I mean, obviously, this is 20 year history is um, you, you, ha you have um, this interchange of people. So this year, myself and my wife were the only original campmates in camp. Mm. So, you know, it started out, we took a group of 20 out. And then it, that grew to like 35 and that grew to 50 something. And then it went all the way up to a hundred and something people. And then we started ratcheting it back. And, um, there's been, you know, people have kids or they get married or they move and it's no longer convenient. Um, there's just, you know, life gets in the way. You might have an ailing parent, whatever it is. Um, there, you know, there's no longer room in their lives for this thing. And, um, 
So you have these batons that are being uh, not not literally tossed, but there's these uh, swaths of people that are exiting and and people that are entering, and and then that exits and enters, and that exit is it, it, it it's cyclical; it repeats onto itself. And you know, if you look at our our camp now, and you go back ten years, there's probably twenty strong. Mm. And if you took that, if you took a camp from now and you went back twenty, I mean, clear, clear, clearly it was just my wife and I were the only uh, core members. But then, what's cool about that too is um, you might have members that haven't been in five, six years. And you kind of, you're like, okay, well, it's not their thing. And then they're like, okay, we're coming. And there's no, um, it requires no effort. They literally plug in, they know they got it. And, you know, there's no like, okay, guys, this is how this is done. There's just none of that. Right. They just, the efficiency, the communication. They yeah. That it's it. all, it's like, oh, you've been here for, you've, yeah. you've done this 10 times. Yeah. And, you know, even though they took a five-year break, they plug right back in. They're there for set. They bust their ass. They're great for the dinner teams. They're there for strike. They got, they, they totally got it. Yeah. And, uh, and you're like, yeah, that, that requires no uh, brain activity. It's like they're on autopilot. It's great. So on that note, I want to ask questions about continuity and community, but I want to wrap up what we were talking about, the striking and balance between accountability. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So real quick. So you had talked about people who complied and who gets it right away. What about people who just didn't get it, didn't comply? Yeah. What do you do? You do you watch them? Do you just sit down with them and tell them like, Hey, this is really important. And the consequences and such. Yeah. Right. Those so, type of conversations. How do you manage the people who don't comply? Yeah. Who didn't so get it? I've only truly ever gotten upset with someone, I think twice. Um, and one was a person I didn't know and they were a referral and they, the, the person that referred him said, Oh, this guy's, he'll be great. And, uh, I was like, okay. And then these just really oddball questions started coming over and it was really, uh, he was getting a little forceful and wanted to march to his own drum. And it, it was just like, I just went back to the person that invited him. I'm like, okay, tell me who this person is in your life. Oh, well, he's a friend of a friend. I'm like, wait a second. So this isn't your like dear friend. And, uh, and he said, well, no, no. I mean, I know him, but I don't, you know, he's not like one of my, in my inner circle. I'm like, okay, so you're going to now in, uninvite him because I don't want to deal with this guy. Too many like oddball things. He's getting a little rude. This is your problem. Take it off my plate. I don't want to deal with this guy. So that was one instance. Okay. Um, another was uh, we had a guy come in. It was a couple, but he just completely missed his dinner crew. Um, he uh, unfortunately was a part. He had all the ingredients, but he let them go bad. I mean, it was it was just a clusterfuck, clusterfuck through and through, and it was very frustrating. And so uh, I literally is the only person where I've ever walked up to him. And I'm like, dude, you're not going to be invited back. Like this, this pissed me off because he was just so aloof. And, 
And I, you know, he was a referral from another friend. I'm like, okay, you get this guy out of here. <laughs> like, uh, it, it was just a bad experience. And, uh, and, and just, he, he was almost combative about just being in step with the camp. He, he was a nonconformist, which I get. I'm a bit of a nonconformist too. All right, sure. It, who isn't that goes to Burning Man? But, um, you know, we are trying to do something out there and we are trying to create something. And it does take a cohesive group, a step in unison. And it's it's a pretty simple ask, you know, be there for set or be there early, participate. You've got a, you know, you, you've got saloon duties where you're slinging drinks to people that come in. That's just fun. And everybody looks forward to that. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an easy ask. It's, it's, it's not a very complicated camp. And that's by design, right? I see people out there doing really amazing things. I'm like, I don't want no part of that. Um, I just want to keep it simple. Say more about that, actually. Say more about that before we... Well, you know, I know, I know camps that are two, two to 300 people big and they, you know, they bring out the, the fire effects and they have the full concert audio systems and, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's an experience. I get it. I, I, I love what they're doing. It, it's so cool and it adds so much flavor to the event, but they show up a week in advance to set that thing. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they're, they have cranes coming out and mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I want to be a part of it. I mean, I literally camped next to them and saw this, these, you know, beautiful things go up. Like, I don't want, I don't want to participate in that. I don't want to, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it'll take a month. Mm -hmm. And then, and then obviously it's really expensive. So they're fundraising mm -hmm. throughout the entire year. In fact, I know a group that just went out and they just brought it and, and probably 250 people it takes to pull that off. And a week later, they held their first fundraiser for next year. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. All right. Whatever. You know, it's like a decompression coming off playa, whatever. But yeah. I just, I don't have that in me. I don't, I don't want to part. I mean, I, I guess if it was my job and I was a promoter, okay, great. But you know, my, that's not my job. And uh, right. yeah, I, I just want to keep it simple. And, and we have a, a, a simple footprint that we do. Um, and we've got a good crew and, and you know, it, it's, it's just a lot easier to pull off. Does that answer I'm your like question? Yeah, you did. Thank you. Horror, and it, it didn't sound like there's a lot of corrective, you know, smackdown, so to speak, you know, other than you don't get invited back, you know. Yeah, there, you... there's been a several, there was, uh, uh, there's been a, just a few people over time that, you know, just weren't pulling their weight. And, you know, it, I usually won't step in and, I might let a year or two go by and like, Hey, come on. You try to bring this person along. They have good years. They have bad years. Um, but when it becomes, you know, outwardly a problem, I've had some uncomfortable situations where you're like, let's just take a break. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then you, you know, you double back and that person is now a little butthurt and you're like, okay, I, I understand. And I always, you know, like I said, going back, I was saying something earlier, I always try to keep, perspective that it is an event for fun right and uh that you know you're you're trying to to bring a little secret sauce out there but at the same time keep everybody everybody happy and fun and this is engaging and you know 
I don't know. I don't know how to, uh, to, I mean, clearly we have struck a line and said, okay, this is what it takes to be in the camp. But it, you know, people typically will step up. If you, if you hit them continuously with, here's the expectation, here's the expectation. It's right here. This is it. And it happens over a nine month period. By the time they get there, they, you know, they got it, you know, they understand. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I got to jump through a couple of hoops in order to be invited back. It's yeah. not hard. Yeah. It's easy. Got it. So speaking of, um, continuity, friendship, ecosystem yeah. over 19 years, do you actively try to curate the growth of this community or is it just ebbs and flow of life people flow in when it's you know yeah. it's their time people flow out when it's their time you don't actually try to manage it no i keep it really um you know i don't all i am is a suggester so i don't um i don't try to hard sell people on it i think people if they're truly um going to do something like this, they truly have to have their own reasons for going out there and doing it. You know, they, they, they have, there has to be a draw. And uh, all I can do is make suggestions. So I'll say, okay, well, this is what we do and this is what it's all about. And some people, um, uh, I will go after a little bit more aggressively just because I believe that they'll flourish out there. And especially if it's like a virgin, it might be a one-year, two-year, three-year conversation where you're just planting seeds. You're just like, I think you would be great out there. And, um, and, and that happens with other um, people in camp too. Like I have a core group of probably 20, 20 to 25. And they are truly in step and they'll, you know, I'll get messages. It could be six months out. Hey, I think these guys would be amazing. They'll give me like, you know, the, the two paragraph rundown like I got from uh, Philip's wife uh, on Michelle and Chloe um, of like, hey, this is who they are. This is what the data, this has been their experience. This isn't their first burn, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, sold, done, got it. We're, we're let's move. Um, whereas other people um, might require a little bit more handholding, especially if, if it's somebody that I'm seeking out, um, uh, I, will, I will subtly suggest and ultimately they have to come to the you know i can't say hey this is what we're doing you're coming with us and i won't accept no come on let's go you know it's like I don't yeah yeah I, I don't mean that. the evangelizing aspect of mm -hmm. it i mean yeah. the people who have been camping mm -hmm. you actively say hey this is our community and you try to grow this community and people you know interconnecting with each other yeah that kind of management at all or not really yeah I, whatever happens well we happens. do things you know we all are dear friends and there are um like we have a, a decompression that we do ourselves every year so this year we're doing it in the first week first weekend of november and we pick pick a central point. So I, I live in San Diego. So we're going out to Paso Robles at a campground there. And people will come from the Bay Area. People will come from Los Angeles and San Diego. I think we've got some people coming from Idaho. And uh, um, we'll just converge there for three days and go do a little wine tasting, be normal, go to the ocean, let the dogs run, you know, stuff like that. It's just a decom 
for us. Um, some of us vacation together, so we might go out to Mexico or we might go to, you know, uh, Europe or whatever. Uh, that's always fun too. Um, we are connected and stay connected throughout the year. And we're, we're, it's not just about Burning Man. We are dear friends, and um, you know that that I believe is the key component of cohesiveness. Mm. Um, and you know, it's, it really has nothing to do with Burning Man. It's it just you just love these people, right? This, this is your tribe. So yeah. And, and this year, you know, I even though I, I had multiple experiences this year that were interesting to me, I had a a, a girl that I was explaining that we uh, took her out there and she just forged ahead and flourished and she didn't even see the open ply. You know, it was that story that I was telling you about her. Her name's Carmen, and. Um, I loved seeing the event through her eyes. I had several campmates that I hadn't necessarily connected with strongly in years past. And I made it a point to go and just kind of sit and talk with them and hang with them. Um, uh, and I got a kick out of that, you know, and we had new campmates that one of them is a creative like me. And so we had a lot to talk about. So we sat for a couple of hours and just kicked that ball around about, you know, being in an agency model and, what that's like and, and you know we just had a lot of a lot of commonalities so i connected with her fantastically and um you know i don't know i think that the cohesiveness uh, i i the number one thing i like to see in cohesiveness is i'll see like a facebook post or i'll see something where people that didn't know each other and they only met at burning man in our camp are now out on a motorcycle ride or they're camping over in, you know, New Mexico or whatever. And it was like, oh, that is so cool that these relationships, these bonds happen. And uh, it, there's relationships that that flourish and come off the playa and boom, they're they're doing something with those people. And I, I just love to see that love that all culminates from this center point where we said, we're going to go do this thing as a group. And these people don't know each other. And now they do. And now they're friends. And now they're hanging. That's so cool. So it's part of the experiment, right? So would you say that's part of the success metrics KPI of putting up all the effort, <laughs> all the work, all the fundraising, all of the shenanigans, you know, that right. people may have in moments? Well, ultimately it is about the community, right? I mean, that's why I do it. I love um, not only to give back to the, the strangers that we don't know, um, and but we meet out there. But I also, that's the thing I get a kick out of. I love that you you take a group of people and you get a, give them a common goal. And you say, this is these are the things we're going to go do. They personalize it. And then we go out there and we run. And and, and um, to see that come to life is, is a true treat for me. That's, that's why I do it. Last question. Actually, second to the last question. What would you say to someone who is now inspired thanks to your testimonial running camps yeah. uh, but also still a little intimidated because they don't yeah. know there's uncertain right it just seems yeah. a lot of work a lot of bandwidth a lot of yeah. bullshit you got to put up with sure so a lobbying a lobbying lobby exactly yeah, so, so what would you um, say to that person uh i would say uh k-a-s-s -S. keep mm. it simple stupid <laughs> So uh, uh, I've seen plenty of people go out there and they create this lofty goal. Mm -hmm. And some of them achieve it. They, they, some of them do out, go out there and knock it out of the park. 
But if it's super complicated and requires a lot of technology and power and all these things, and you're a first time person kind of going out there, it, it, uh, I've seen a lot of people fail, you know, uh, uh, somebody shared a stat with me this year that I was amazed by 20, uh, no, 30%. I think the, I think the stat was 30% of art cars, no show. So what does that people mean? Have, so, so to, to take an art car to Burning Man is, is a, an endeavor. So you've got to, uh, you know, you've got to lobby first and you got to like put your plans to the DMV and, um, and then they've got to like sniff it. And they, there's, I mean, it's like, it, it takes two hours to fill out their application mm-hmm. and you have to answer all these things about safety and lighting and, you know, the structure. And, and before you even get into this thing, you've got to have a fully baked plan. And, and here's what's screwy about it. You have no idea if they're going to approve your plan, but you've got to start building. So you put the best plan you can together and you, you throw it, throw it that their way. And you're like, I, I have no choice. I got to start building this thing. Cause it ain't going to happen overnight. Right. Some of these builds, uh, I did a build that took six months. So you start in on it and you might be 10 grand, 15 grand into this thing, just with your fingers crossed, just going, I hope these guys approve this because we are up shit creek if they don't. And, and, uh, you know, I've never had it not approved, but I've had plenty of people that didn't get approved because, you know, I'm a planner by trade and I'm an artist by trade. So I can get renderings, uh, pretty convincing renderings, uh, generated. And, um, but the, the stat that I heard, somebody was telling me that 30% of the people that jump through all of those hoops and fill out that application and submit things and, and all of that, 30% of them don't even show up. Mm. That's amazing. That's incredible. Mm. Mm. That's an amazing failure rate. <laughs> so, mm. you know, for whatever it was, maybe they just didn't have the right team or the, the idea was too complicated and uh, they ran out of money, which is obviously a, a thing, you know, the art cars are expensive. And so, um, for, for a variety of reasons, they never, it never even sees the plaque. So mm. my, you know, especially if you're doing this for a first time, um, just keep it simple. Mm. Yeah. Do something simple, so something that you can easily rally people around. It's not too, uh, I, we had a camp that was flinging um, beignets uh, mm. in the mornings, in yeah, the afternoons. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they came rolling through our camp several times with hot beignets. I'm like, that's simple. I love that. It's easy. Mm. Or our, our dear friends uh, down the way, uh, Altitude Lounge, um, Greg, that he- heads that up. They they build, you know, I, I think it's a six-story um, scaffolding. Mm. They put these really bright lights on it, and, and you can go up the scaffolding and kind of see the, see the playa from, from up there. And uh, super simple um, offering. But it's something that they do every year. They've got it down. Um, doesn't take a big camp. I think their their camp size this year was twenty five people, mm-hmm. and so they came in and set set camp in, in a, or they set the scaffolding in a day, and they, you know, ratchet it down and all that stuff. Uh, um, super super simple offering. Doesn't require pyrotechnics. <laughs> this is a very simple thing, 
And, and then I've seen people go out and do art installations in the open playa, and I greatly appreciate that. It's beautiful work that happens out there, especially I'm, I will check out your interview with the uh, temple builder because, wow, that was inspirational this year. He did an exceptional job. Good for him. Yeah, he has COVID right now, so let's uh, send me some good I, vibes for recovery. I, I got it uh, coming off the playa this year myself, too. There oh, yeah? Seven, seven campmates that came down with it, and I was the seventh. Wow. I was the sixth, actually. Well, you, you seem perfectly... Healthy. You know, it, it. so all I had was a playa cough. I just had yeah, a cough. Same here. Was, yeah, I couldn't get rid of it for several <laughs> days. And um, my my grandson was coming over. Grandson? Yeah. Yeah, my wife and I have a grandson. Wow. You, yeah. So, you, I would not have believed it if you didn't. Yeah, so we have, my, we have two daughters. Uh, our youngest is 25 and our oldest is 34. Wow. And so she, um, we got started, we were high school sweethearts and we got started early. So it's it's been a journey. And, uh, so my wife said, you know, you got that cough. And I said, Oh, it's, it's just a cough. And she goes, well, I want you to take a COVID test. Well, we can take a COVID test, but I don't have COVID. And she gave me the test. She's like, you have COVID mister. (laughs) I was like blown away. I could not believe it because I did had no achy body. Didn't have, no mm. flu symptoms, no runny nose, nothing. Mm. And and I never did. It never, I just tested positive for like four days and then it tested negative and it was gone. Okay. Bizarre. Yeah. Uh, Steve, last, any last words that you wanted to share with anyone who is interested about starting camp or interested about Burning Man or wanted to be a camp organizer? Or want to be part of OK Corral? What would what yeah. would what would you say is like? Hey, if you remember this one thing, remember this. Well, I think I think that the the KISS is a is a key component, um, especially if you're going to go out there for the first time. Um, keep the group at twenty twenty five. Um, you know, don't make it too complicated. Like even our camp can be a little complicated at times. We have a water cube that gets delivered so that we have fresh water for all the rigs. I think we had 15 rigs this year and everybody was pulling from the water cube. Um, We have a central generator, uh, which complicates things, right? I mean, it's great because you have one Jenny running everything, but it also, you know, requires fuel and all of that stuff. Um, We have uh, a whole electrical grid that we roll out complications. Right. I mean, we haven't had that in years past, but in the last 10 years, we've gotten a little bit more sophisticated. Um, uh, Camp dues are a must. So uh, our dues this year, I think we're set at 315 per person. And uh, it allows us to, you know, we had some things that needed to be fixed. So we got that fixed. It it pays for our storage for the year. this year, uh, we had uh, our main on our speaker system uh, broke, so we'll have to get that fixed for next year. That'll come out of next year's dues. But, you know, there's just a lot of infrastructure, um, fuel for the kitchen and um, just a variety of things that um, uh, we were also out of practice this year. So, you know, uh, there's a three-year break between the last time we were on Playa, so we didn't necessarily have a, a strong inventory. So we were like kind of pulling everything out. And so we have a whole full list of things that need to change for, for next year um, to be operational. And, you know, that's an evolution. 
um, try to find something that you can all sync on uh, uh, that's that's easy to execute and uh, don't get too too lofty as as time ticks away and you start to develop that that crew that you can depend on at least for two to three to four years then you can get a little bit you can turn up the volume a little bit yeah. mm, got it i love it yeah actually one last question 19 years mm -hmm. and burning man is such a transformational container in my mind with any kind of transformation the the event itself is one thing right it's beautiful mm -hmm. it's great all that beautiful things but to mm -hmm. me it's the integration what lesson did you learn did you clarify what action you're going to take from that do mm. you offer any kind of integration plans having done this for 19 times to not yourself but the, also the to your community i'm not following the exact definition of the question integration plan can you be a little bit more specific sure so any kind of transformational events, you know, mm -hmm. meditation, Burning Man, it's okay. huge for a lot of mm -hmm. people. And then from that, there are lessons that you can extract from that. Yeah. Right. You journal about it. You, you, you have sure. conversation about it. You have yeah. lessons. Then you also put into plans like, right. hey, here are some of the things I'm going to implement in my life yes. based on insights that I learned. Do you... Uh, you yourself, what kind of integration plans and actions yeah, do you do? Okay. No, I understand your question. Yeah. yeah that's a old. big question, man. Um, so yeah, the, the event did change how I interacted with my children, it changed how I interacted with my parents, with my friends, with, even with my colleagues. Um, one of the, you know, I, I this year is, has been a, a tough year for me professionally just because our um, we're just in a lot of flux in my professional life and we're, we're scaling things here and trying to grow this here. And it's just been very stressful and it, it, I'm definitely not in the mental state to, to be out there this year, just because I was so preoccupied with my professional obligations. And, and then I had, um, I, I got about halfway out there and I, I felt like I was there for reasons to connect with joy and you know when you get so concentrated on you know running a business with you know say a hundred employees is there's a lot of um responsibility that comes with that and it can be very uh, stressful at times and so you know going out there and just unplugging and just being in that moment and, you know, even though you're stressed about these things, I just kind of went, you know, I, 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 there is joy in this. And, um, it, you know, it was like a cathartic thing for me to, to kind of come to real, realization that I need that. I, I needed that. And I didn't realize I needed it. Right. And um, so, yeah, I, I would say that they're, they're, they're every year delivers, you know, some years, you're kind of on autopilot. I would say 19 was, was an autopilot year for, for me personally, just because um, there were no major curveballs. The, the weather was perfect. Um, the camp went off with it without a hitch. We didn't have any mechanical problems. It was a very enjoyable experience. Therefore, it didn't really put you emotionally through the paces. But this year I went in with kind of a heavy heart, just kind of going, okay, 
lots going on there, but there's, you know, I've made this commitment to my camp to organize it and get it out and get it going. And, and then we started having problems. So we had, uh, we can't set great, but then we have problems with our electrical. And so we were tuning that and we have problems with deliveries. And so we were tuning that and it just added by the time we got to the end of the event, I, I think everybody was like, man, we truly faced some adver adversity this year and the camp as a whole, that was one, you know, it's part of my experiment is how do they handle adversity? Right. I mean, when everything goes right, okay, great. But like we handled adversity beautifully and it was, a you know, there's lessons to be learned in that. It was like, wow, look at that. Like everybody just powered through and didn't let it, let it affect them. They just, you know, were solution people as opposed to problem people. And it was great. It was great to see, great to witness. Yeah. Transformational. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, yeah. Steve, I want to take a moment to just really thank you for sharing thank you. what you have shared over the 19 years of running this camp. Absolutely. And, and as you plot for next year, please keep me in mind. I would love to talk about, you know, if you're, if you're truly going to do that, um, talk about how to organize that. And I can share with you spreadsheets and things that we do, tools we use and language that we use and all of that just to yeah. get people moving in a, in a cohesive direction. I would say here are some top takeaways that I got from our conversation. One is uh, six months out, you know, yeah. uh, start to have conversations with people about what oh, yeah. it means to, to camp, yep. start to communicate responsibilities and expectations because ultimately mm -hmm. that's that, that duration, the regularity, you know, sets mm -hmm. the culture of what's it like, mm -hmm. what's expected, you know, from the citizens yeah. of this village, this camp. Yeah, totally. Um, choose your people wisely, right? Yep. Uh, that's a big one. Know, <laughs> the, the core 24. Right. And also the last thing is, as you say last, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Right. It's very easy to get inspired by, let's say, the Playa Alchemist groups, right? The huge, beautiful pyramids. Yeah. At the same time, it comes with a lot of overhead and infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I love that those guys bring that out there. I really, truly do. Or, like, uh, you know, we're all familiar now. Everybody says the words Mayan warrior, the art car that goes out there. How could yeah. you not revel in that? Those guys bring that, they drive that in from the Yucatan from the yeah, bottom wow. of Mexico. Oh, wow. And that's a, that's a whole group of people that just, they just, wow. It, yeah. It, it, that's a, a tremendous effort. What a beautiful creation. I have nothing but respect for that. You know, it's like good for you guys. Yeah. They're very, very dedicated. Yes, they are. Um, so regarding all of that, thank you so much for your generosity, your time and your wisdom and can't yeah. wait to hear more about all the beautiful stories and transformation came out of, uh, okay. Corral. Awesome. It was great talking with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and inspire you on your journey towards purpose. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of this episode with all the important links at noblewarrior.com forward slash episode number. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you. So share a review on Apple and let me know what part of this podcast episode 
resonated with you the most. Remember, your higher self constantly points you towards your purpose. And now is the time to take action towards that.